We are going to be starting in Deuteronomy 4. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 4, in the Pew Bibles, it is page 148. We'll just leave it there. (laughs) Wrong knob. That's it. Okay. Yep. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to start there. The title of the sermon is kind of in two parts because the sermon is kind of in two parts, but they're both tied up into this one slide. What is your quest? What is your question? And so we are going to be starting off by reading Deuteronomy 4, uh, verses 9 and 10. And those verses say, Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and to your children's children, and how on the day that you stood before the Lord at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather all the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children so. When, they're talk- when he's talking about Mount Horeb, that is the area around Mount Sinai. So he's referring to the time where the Israelites were in front of Mount Sinai and God gave them the Ten Commandments. There's a little section right after God gave the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 that talk a little bit about how Israel was feeling at that time. It's Exodus 20, verse 18 through 20. And it says, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear. For God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. So looking at these three, these passages, we're going to ask three questions. First, what is it that we're supposed to have in our lives? Second question is, why should it matter? Why do we need to have that? And third, then what? What are we supposed to do once we have that? And that will take us through the first part of the sermon, which is, what is your quest? Just so you know, it's not the Holy Grail, in case anybody sees the movie reference. But what should we have in our lives? Both of these passages say what it is. Deuteronomy 4.10 talks about that the Lord said, gather, but he said that you should fear God. Exodus 20 also has that, saying that 
um, the fear of him should be before you. And so the fear of God needs to be in our lives. And that is a phrase that is used quite often in the Bible. It's used in Proverbs 9.10, talking about um, that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. In Matthew, Jesus talks about how you shouldn't fear the person that could kill the, the body, but not the soul, but fear him who could destroy both of them. And then uh, even in Psalms 33, it says, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him and in the hope of his steadfast love. So the fear of the Lord is one of those Christianese type phrases that we kind of use and it's in the Bible, but sometimes it's kind of hard to really put our finger on what it really means. Growing up, my dad had a definition, and it was the continual awareness that God is watching and weighing all of our thoughts, words, actions, and attitudes. You don't have to know that. That's fine. Um, But the idea of that is God sees everything that we do, and we better shape up because we're going to have to give an account to him. While that is definitely true, and we need to keep that in mind, there's more to it than just being afraid of what God's going to do to us. Unfortunately, when we say the word fear, that kind of, that connotation comes up. But there's more to it. There's a positiveness to it as well. When we hear people talking about that they work with wild animals, They talk that they have a respect for the animals and their abilities, a respect for their instincts, and they need that respect to keep them safe. They need to realize who that, what that animal can do, what that animal is in themselves to keep them safe, to be able to work with them. And I think that gives us a good picture of what we need to have with God. We need to see God for who he is. And that's what the fear of the Lord is. I have a definition up here. It's a little long, but I think it captures everything that that phrase means. The fear of the Lord is an inward attitude of humble reverence towards God in light of his self-revelation that results in an outward expression of Christ-likeness. Let me repeat that. The fear of the Lord is an inward attitude of humble reverence towards God in light of his self-revelation that results in outward expression of Christ-likeness. It's how we see God. And if we truly see God for who he is, that's going to change what we do. We sang a song, Overwhelmed. Are we truly overwhelmed? Or is it something we sing on Sunday morning? If we're truly overwhelmed, that's going to affect us the rest of our week. That's going to affect what we do at work. That's going to affect what we do on Saturday when we have a free time when we're with our friends, when, our, when we're doing stuff 
recreation, are we so overwhelmed and so in awe of who God is and His holiness and His love for us that everything we do changes. And that's the idea of the fear of the Lord. This awe, being struck with His awesomeness and being even without words to describe it. That's what we need to have in our lives. Now, it's kind of like I'm preaching to the choir. You guys probably all know that. But every once in a while, we need to be reminded that it's, that's what we need to have in our lives. That is our goal. That is our quest. So the question comes, okay, why do we need that? Yes, that's a good thing to have, but why do we need that? Well, even our definition talked about that it, it goes from knowing it to expressing it in our lives, in acting it out. In Exodus 20, verse 20, it says, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. It's talking about there needs to be a result of having that. It's not just something that we talk about on Sunday morning. It's not something that we just know, but it's something that we live. In Psalms 119, 1 through 3, it talks over and over again about walking in the way of the Lord, that you may not sin, that you, that you can walk in His ways. In Psalms 119.11, it talks about, I've hid God's word in my heart. Why? Not so that I can say it to somebody else and get a section marked off in my book. Not so that I can spout off these verses all the time, but so that it affects me so that I may not sin against God. In James, it also talks about, don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word live it out. It's something that we need to do. But the idea is not just that we don't sin. That's not the end. That's not where we're getting to. There's more to it. When we don't sin, that changes us. But it also, because of what we, our attitude towards God we need to express that to other people. And part of that is our witness in what we do. But part of that is also in how we express that to other people. And so our lives need to be that witness to other people about who God is. And so that's what we need to do when we have that in our lives. There's a couple questions that I have. Actually, it's one question, two statements. Which of these two statements do you want as part of your life? I want to be a good person or I want to be a godly person. Pretty basic question. But to be able to answer that, you need to know the difference between the two. Again, I'm fairly confident that most of you can know what the difference is between a good and a godly person. Um, in your handout, uh, you notice that 
I have given you questions for each of the days coming up. Just to help you think through, help you process some of the things that I'm going to be talking about today. And so the first question on Tuesday is, what's the difference between being a good person and being a godly person? But it's more than just knowing the difference or saying, hey, I, I, want, I want to be a godly person. I want that to be in my life. Do the people around you know the difference between those two by your life? Are you living in a way that they see the difference between a good person and a godly person? If we're truly overwhelmed by who God is, if we're truly get His, His essence inside of us, that can't help but be expressed by everything that we do. People can't help but see that in our lives. If, on the other hand, we're just, yep, that's right, that's true, that's, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to say, that's what the song, we sing the songs, we sing the lyrics that are on the, on the board there. And, but if that's all it is, that's not going to be shown in what you do. And so the idea is it needs to overwhelm us to a, to a sense that we are doing things differently because of it. In Acts, it talks about that the church in Antioch was first called Christians because of how they lived this out. It impacted them so much, and they were so set apart from everybody else in the community that they even got a name. It was actually more of an insult. But people identified, hey, that's different. And that's what we need to be. There's a humorous uh, quote that some people have said that I want to be so full of God that when a mosquito bites me, I want that to fly away and singing, there's power in the blood. But that's the idea. We want to have everything about us, about God, because of who he is, his holiness. We're overwhelmed. We're in awe. So we need to have that in our lives. We need, it needs to affect what we do on a daily basis. If that wasn't enough, God said, I'm not done with you. There's more. What do we need to do with that? In Deuteronomy 4, verse 9, at the very end, it says, Make them known to your children and to your children's children. At the end of verse 10, it says, That they will learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and that they may teach 
their children so. It's not enough to have it in our lives. We need to teach the next generation. What is it that we need to do? We need to teach the next generation. I like the phrase the next generation better than teach our children. As a family pastor and dealing with family ministries, there are some times that we get caught up in what does the family mean? Is it parents to kids? Is it grandparents to kids? Is it only dealing with kids? But here's the thing. This concept is not just for kids. The Great Commission in Matthew tells us that we need to teach all nations and we need to reach out to those around us about who he is. Again, if we have this fear of the Lord, if we have a correct idea of who God is, it's going to affect everybody that we come in contact with. It's going to bubble up out of us no matter who it is. And so we need to teach other people The reason I like the next generation, besides the fact that I'm a Star Trek fan and that kind of, but the next generation, who's going to be in the church 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now? I sure hope it's going to be our children, but I also hope that it's going to be other people that we're telling about Jesus. I hope it's both. So when we talk about teaching the next generation, I'm not talking about just teaching kids. I'm talking teach the next generation of churchgoers, people who are going to carry the torch in the next 10, 20, 30 years of who Christ is. That's who we need to teach. So that's why I use the phrase the next generation. So... That's our quest, to have the fear of God in our lives, to have it affect how we live, but then we need to express that to other people to help them get the fear of the Lord into them so that they can carry that on as well. That is our quest. So the next part is, What is your question? And we would come to this by, in order to be able to teach other people, we need to have conversations with them. We need to interact with them. We need to tell them about God. Some of you might know that I'm an introvert. Um... Part of the reason why I married my lovely wife is because she's not. And, you know, sometimes little chit-chat, sometimes small talk is hard for me. It's tough to, okay, first of all, I'm pretty comfortable just sitting in, in silence. Um, but that gets kind of awkward when you're with somebody, and so that may not be the best thing, and you don't get a lot of information out. So how do you start talking? How do you interact with somebody if you're like me? Well, the, the best way that I've found is asking questions. 
And so that's what this is talking about, how to ask questions. So how do you ask questions? That was a question, wait. It's kind of like a book that I'm reading. My family gives me a hard time. It's called How to Read a Book. But the idea is, how do you read a book? Everybody can read a book, right? So how do you read a book is more about not reading the book, but getting something more out of the book. How to understand the book, how to get into the author's mindset when they wrote it. And that's kind of what this question is. It's not about how do you ask questions, because we all can ask questions, but how do you ask questions to get the other person to understand who God is and how to have the fear of God in their lives? And so asking questions is a wonderful way to to interact with somebody. And if you use them well, you can point them to God. If you look back, the Gospels are littered with times where Jesus not only was asked questions, but also asked questions of other people. Looking back in history, about the end of the Old Testament, there was a guy named Socrates. And he even came up with the Socratic method, which, is, which uses questions to get at the, the core understandings, the motivations that are underneath some of the answers that people were giving. But even before that, it doesn't take long, if you look in the Bible, for God to be asking man questions. In chapter 3 of Genesis, he asks, Adam, Eve, where are you? Do you think God knew where they were? Of course he did. Why was he asking? To confront it, but also to start a dialogue, to start a conversation with them. In chapter 4, he asked Cain, Hey, Cain, by the way, where's your brother? Yeah, he knew the answer. It wasn't because he needed more information. But he used that as a tool to get them to talk. And that's what we need to do. Is The idea is asking questions to get other people to look at what they truly believe, the motivations behind them, even the motivations of asking questions. So if you remember our quest is for us to have the fear of God and to teach that. And then we can use questions to do that. I have a couple of, as, we've, as I get close to wrapping up, I have a couple of applications here. How can we use that? And what, what do we need to keep in mind when we're asking questions? The first thing is, we need to keep God as a part of our everyday conversations. We need to ask questions about who God is, what he's done in our lives, what this situation that we're in, how God interacts with that. 
When our kids were young, they asked lots of questions. When they're growing up, they're sponges. They love information. They want a lot of information. So they're asking a whole bunch of questions. Sometimes it gets a little bit uh, tedious to keep answering all these questions, but that's how they learn. But if, if your kids are asking you questions, take the opportunity to not just answer their questions, but ask them questions. Push the issue with them. If they received some money from grandma or grandpa or allowance or something like that, ask them, what can you do for God with that money? What can you do for somebody else to bless them? If they're talking bad about somebody else, if they, you know, somebody made them mad at school and they're saying, you know, I really don't like that person, ask them, oh, well, how do you think God feels about that person? Does that person, is that person, do you think God loves them? Do you think that God wants what's best for that person? Well, how can, you, how can you help that person know who God is? Maybe they don't even know him. But what we can do is we can use questions to get them thinking. Get them thinking about God in everyday life. When you go to a movie, ask questions about what the movie meant. What would have happened if that person would have known God? Would they have made that decision? Well, look at that, you know, that situation. Would you have done the same thing? Why would you have done the same thing? Why would you have done something different? Talk about them. And the idea is, God, if, God, if we are so overwhelmed that we have the fear of God in us, that that should be commonplace to talk about it. If it's not, we need to really look at ourselves to see if that's really what we have in our hearts. I do have a caution. Um, you can go overboard with this. Tyler and I went to see one of the latest Marvel movies, and I really enjoyed this one more than others because it really made me think. Um, the, uh, one of the characters' name can't remember. I think it was Ego. Um, and what he did was very much about him. And so I was asking questions about this, and finally Tyler looked at me and says, Dad, can't I just like the movie for the Marvel Universe? Uh, oh, okay, yes, you can. So you can overdo it a little bit, but here's the idea. Whatever we do, our passions should come out. If we start talking about college football, it's not going to take long because, before you're going to realize that I really like the NDSU bison. Because I'm so, I, I'm so passionate about it, it just comes out. That's the way that we need to be with God. Everything we see needs to, if we see God for who he is, for the creator of everything, 
our worldview changes. And so everything is viewed through that lens. And so it changes how we see things. And that should come out in what we say. We try and do this. We try and give you questions to help just make this comment in your lives. On your handout, on the questions for today, they are all about discussion questions that you can ask at home. Those aren't necessarily um, about God, but you can use them to just open up conversations with your family and get the conversations going. And you can move to talking about God, depending on the answers that come. But the idea is to get people talking, get people interacting, and make sure that we are talking about how God is in our lives. We also do this, Mike sends out an email to the parents of the uh, high school kids um, each week about the, the lessons to get us talking. Children's church, we, we have discussion questions that we, in our handouts that we give to help the parents, help you parents to ask your kids questions about what they learned so that they get in the habit of one, sharing, but also talking about God. The next one, the last one is that sometimes we talk about what we like, talk about what we know, but we need to make sure that we talk about the whole counsel of God. We need to talk about everything that's in the Bible. Now, this is, this is difficult. This is hard to do. And sometimes, as parents, I remember with our kids, it was hard because I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what, you know. And so we have some tools. There's a book that we give out at, at baby dedication, Everything a Child Needs to Know About God, that walks through a bunch of topics that they put together, these are the important topics for somebody to know about God. That's more for preschool. We have one for elementary. It's called Theology. And then we have another one that talks about, that's more for high school. It's called uh, Big Truths for Little Hearts. But the idea is that there is a breadth of knowledge about God that we need to know. Pastor Lloyd normally does expository preaching. He, we just went through 1 John. Why? Well, because there's verses that are hard. There's verses that we might not understand, but we really need to wrestle with them. And if we're able to wrestle with them, then that helps us get the answers more to ourselves, to take ownership of what they mean instead of Yes, this is the answer. There's um, our new third through fifth grade Wednesday night program called Power Up, where we're going to deal with some of these questions. We're going to ask questions. We're going to give an answer, but then we're also going to give a, a verse in it and have the kids wrestle with what that kind of means. Paul was up here talking about small groups. It's another way that we can wrestle with the breadth of things that are in the Bible. 
It's not just the things that we'd like, but it's we need to be wide. As I close up, a couple of closing things. One, if you ask questions or if you get questions asked to you, remember, what's our quest? The fear of God. It's not to be able to have the answers right off the top of your head that you can explain everything. That's not the answer. That's not what we're after. We're after people to know what the fear of God is. In other words, if somebody asks you a question say that you don't know, say, that's a great question. Let's look at it together. Let's look at it and see what we can find. Let's walk with them in their quest to get that answer, that question answered, so that we can help them see who God is. Because nobody's going to have the answers. But we can help them and walk with them to find the answers. Doubt can be a good thing. Sometimes we look at doubt as, oh, that's, that's so bad, that's, you know, that's a... That's, not, that's a sign of faith that's not strong. But really what doubt is, is you're saying, hey, I want the truth. And so doubt can be good if we deal with it the right way. As we close, there's many opportunities for us to get questions answered. But if you don't have those things, if you have questions about who God is, if you have questions about what God means in your life, if you're wondering about what different things, how they fit together, it's a great thing to have those questions because you're committed to truth. But there's also a way that you need to be able to get those answered. After we're done, if you have any questions, I'm going to be up here I don't have all the answers, just to let you know, but I'm willing to walk with you to see if we can find an answer. But here's the thing. If you have questions, if you have those things in your head, you need to express them. You need to dig into them to find out who God is. Our goal is the fear of God. And if we get that in us, then we need to express that to other people. Let's pray.